Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook Noble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Inspired Choices Network. You are listening to Financially Speaking. I will be your host for the next hour and I am Kathy Cook Noble. You are welcome to call in. We love to have questions and uh, visits in the chat room if anyone wants to come in and ask questions or if you're too shy to call, then uh, join us in the chat room and we will answer your questions. The purpose of our show, Financially Speaking, is to actually deal with financial everyday concepts. So there's no question that is going to be too crazy or radical or, or sound dumb or or sound too smart. But uh, if it's too smart, then maybe I can't answer. I might have to get back to you. But we'll uh, we'll do our best to answer questions and uh, help support everybody with whatever question that they're dealing with in their own personal finances. Because really, that's what it's all about. It's about you knowing your stuff and understanding what your stuff is and where your stuff is at and, and how it gets taxed and how you pass it on to your, your next generation and what your legacy is going to be and, and how to deal with your money while you're here. So those are all questions that we've been answering, I hope, on this show. That's our intention anyway. So we've had um, some great guests that have helped us with some some specific type questions, and we've had uh, moments where you just get me. So tonight's one of those moments where you just get me, and we're going to talk tonight about some trust. So for those of you who have trust issues, this is the show, because we're going to talk about trust. And trusts are... Uh, I'm not going to lie. This is probably one of the more complicated topics, and that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, But I want to tell you who I am because for those of you who are just joining, you might be wondering. And by day, I am a a financial advisor and bookkeeper. We uh, have a financial practice here in Canada, and we look after investments and insurance and bookkeeping, and we help people uh, really get their stuff straight and keep it straight. So that's what our goal is here for you. And that's what we try and do. That's what we do every day in our practice. And that's what we do on the show here is we just break down it into basic, simple terms so that you can understand it. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I, I am going to do a shameless plug for everybody. Uh, I just finished my book. Um, it's written for women specifically, and it breaks down daily financial concepts. And it will be out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm just I'm excited to have that done because it uh, takes a long time <laughs> to write and to edit and go through all that process. So I just sent back the final edit on the weekend, and that's something I'll share maybe a little bit, a little bit later down the road. Um, so yeah, anybody wants to give us a call from the U.S. and Canada or join us in the chat room, please, please do. Um, that's what we're here for. That's what the Inspired Choices Network is about. It's about helping people grow and learn and expand on all aspects of their life and finance just happens to be the one that I get to deal with. So a lot of the stuff I do talk about is is Canadian based because that is where my license is. Um, but there is so much of it that crosses over to the US and other parts of the world. The concepts are very, very similar. There'll be some changes with the tax code. There might be some changes with the terminology. You know, sometimes it's no different in finance. You know, we spell color with a U and the Americans 
spelling is without you. So there's some differences like that, and you'll find that in finance as well. So tonight, we're going to talk about trust. And who do you trust? What is a trust? Uh, what does it mean? Oh, my goodness. Do you need them? What's you, you hear about trust accounts, and you hear about investments instead of trusts, and, and they can get a little bit murky and confusing. And I'm going to do my best trying to explain them to you. So let's start with the just a basic understanding of a trust. There's, there's two real types of trust and two kinds of trust. There's inter, inter vivos trust and then there's a testamentary trust. And of the two trusts, one is when you're alive and one is when you're not alive, which means one's alive, one's dead. And that's just how they work. Um, if you go onto the Government of Canada website, there are 33 different types of trust. And out of those types of trust, it is either a testamentary trust, which means it's something when you're dead, or it's an inter vivos trust, which is something when you're alive. So you can have different kinds of trust. And um, I was I was in a course once, and uh, there's there's someone in the course whose father was was very wealthy and famous, and she was saying about um, how he was the king of trust because he had trust inside trust inside trust. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say. There's probably not a lot of need for most of us to have that complex of a situation. Now, if you're one of the wealthiest people in the world or you're in the top 1% and your estate is, you know, let's say you're Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett, I'm pretty sure they probably could use uh, different kinds of trusts inside trusts and inside trusts <laughs> and on top of trusts and and there's all kinds of ways they would complicate it and make it very tax efficient and that's fantastic they can do that but for you and me that's not normally how we're going to see things roll so let's talk about what the different trusts are so let's talk about the one when you're alive the inter vivos trust this is a relationship it's a fiduciary relationship which makes it legal um, used in the estate planning and it's during your lifetime of the trustor so it's known as you probably have heard the term living trust this is what the, that's referring to. So the inter vivos is known as your living trust. And testamentary trust is known as your not living trust. So in your living trust, it has a duration of time that uh, it can be used for and it can be determined to be used for. And what you do is the trust is created and it can include the distribution of assets to the beneficiary. And what that is is during the time of the trustor's life, which is the the relationship of the person in the trust, it's the opposite of what a testamentary trust is, which goes into effect at the death of the trustor. So everything that's happening inside of this trust is well, if, if it's my trust, let's say, for example, it's happening while I'm alive. And everything that's happening in there, I'm, I'm in control of, I'm the beneficiary, I have um, access to it, I'm responsible, I'm the relationship, it's my estate. And I'm alive. Now, when I become not alive, then it's the opposite. And it goes into a testamentary because now I'm not here to benefit and I'm not here to receive anything or control it or make decisions on it. So if we break it down, then this inter vivos trust is important because it establishes a trust to avoid probate. Now, for those of you out there, probate is that word that also can be used interchangeably with the word tax. 
So probate is what happens when you die and all your stuff becomes like a pot of stuff. And it goes through this process called probate. And probate is, and it doesn't matter what city, country, province you're in, everybody dies, everybody goes through probate, and that's all based on whatever your taxes, uh, tax category, your tax uh, rules are in your particular province or state or country or whatever the case may be. So your probate that you go through when you pass away is all your stuff. And that's when the government steps in and says, okay, let's see your basket of stuff. And how much of that are you going to be charged in tax? And that's what it figures out. Now, in Canada, we have we have some rules, as does every other country, about probate. And you have to have certain forms filed within certain days, 90 days. You have to have the estate administration tax figured out. And that's what the calculation is when somebody says, okay, here's my ba- their basket of stuff. And your executor is responsible for this to say, okay, here's the basket of stuff. And... We're going to calculate how much it is, and some of it you might have to have uh, an appraisal come in, for example, to get your value of your house or the value of the contents of the house to say, hey, the house is worth, you know, a couple hundred thousand, and the contents inside of it are worth, let's call it, ten or fifteen thousand, and then somebody um, is filing that for you, either the lawyer, or the executor, or whoever the case is may be. Typically, it's the lawyer that handles that. The executor is the one that handles um, carrying out your wishes. So the lawyer submits this and then the government says, yep, you owe us that amount of tax and the estate pays it. So that's probate. Um, the if There's others, there's lots of ways to minimize probate tax and trusts are actually part of that. So what we're going to talk about tonight with the trust will be about probate as well. And we've talked about probate in the past and there is something called gifting and you can, and there's a question that we got about gifts. If you give them under a thousand dollars prior to their death, it's still taxed. No, because a gift can be um, presented to a non-spousal relative. So if I want to gift my kids or if I want to gift my grandkids or my great grandkids money while I'm alive, I can do that. I can give them that and, and it's not taxable. Now, of course, we all know that we're living in countries where the government, when they give us rules, they these allowances, they put rules on them and restrictions. And of course, there's a restriction. You can't say, well, if that's the case, I'll just gift my whole million dollars to my kids. Well, you can't do that. There's limits on how much you can gift and how often you can gift during the year. So right now, I think 10000 is the maximum in Canada and in Ontario for gifting. But I'd have to double check on that because I can't remember last time when I read it. Um, but there is a maximum of gifting, and I, I want to say it's ten thousand. So every year I could give you ten thousand um, dollars as my kids, you know, my child, my grandchild, whatever the case is, and not be taxed on it, and them not be taxed on it. So that's that's important because we want to always be looking at what's triggering tax. Um, because let's be honest, we pay tax all the time. Like you pay tax on your income, you pay tax if you buy something, you pay tax if you cross the border and um, you go to another country, you pay tax there. So you're always paying tax. And, oh, that's good. Okay, it looks like it's 15000 We've got some clarification on that. So, yeah, it used to be ten, so it must be up to fifteen now. So gifting. So that's another option on some of the taxes. Now, everything that we talk about is going to be very generalized. This is not me giving anybody specific advice. 
And I know this is more of a declaration because I don't want people to run out and say, oh, I need to set up a trust and I need to start gifting money to my kids and I need to um, start doing certain things with my probate. Every single person's case is different and unique. It doesn't matter. You could be an identical twin. And if I have an identical twin sister and I married an identical, we both married identical twins, our situations are still different. Because we may not have the same number of kids. We may not have the same jobs. We may not make the same money. We may not have the same discipline when it comes to saving our money. So even if identical twins, married identical twins, and they all worked at the exact same place and made the same money, they don't have the same discipline or the same structure. They don't have the same uh, interests. They don't have the same needs or wants as far as, what you know, maybe some are buying steak and others are buying hamburgers. Some might want to drive a Ferrari. The other might want to drive a... Toyota and there's nothing wrong with any of it but you can't compare yourself to other people and you can't say well my case is exactly the same as my neighbors because I would be you would be hard pressed to convince me that it is I have not never seen two cases exactly the same some similarities absolutely but there's no two cases that are ever the same so when we talk about trusts and we talk about probate and I talk to you about tax ideas and stuff you really have to sit down and have your own financial plan done because that really will determine your best course of action. Not everybody needs a trust. I can tell you right now, not everybody needs a trust. The only thing I can guarantee is that we're all going to pay tax and we're all going to die. And the only financial concept I can tell you that we all have to deal with is the probate. And we want to make sure that we minimize our probate. And everybody's estate is going to be different because it's going to be set up different. We all have different stuff. And those are all the things that we want to just keep in mind. So these are just concepts that they may or may not be applicable, and if they are, fantastic. Still go and make sure they fit your financial plan because that's really where the key comes in. You want to make sure it fits you. You don't want to have one of those one-size-fits-all anyway because then it's not like you're getting the best advice or you're getting the best use of your time and the best uh, use of your money, really. So we'll talk about tests, uh, trust. We'll talk about both of them, the uh, inner the inter vivos trust, which is the living trust, and we'll talk about the testamentary trust, which is the trust basically of your estate or when you're dead and somebody else takes it over. And uh, that is what we're going to talk about and get into a, get into the nitty-gritty when we come back after our first break because we are up to our first break for the night. And you are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. When we return, we're going to continue to talk about trust, who you trust, do you need a trust, what's a trust, and all this talk about trust. So we will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? 
Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking about trust. We're talking about financial trust. We're talking about um, what they are and what they mean. And when I say trust, I'm talking about a vehicle that you would use in your estate planning and your financial planning that hopefully, if you do it right and pick the right one in the right way, then you're going to help with the probate and the estate setup of your, your entire estate. Before we went to break, I was just giving you a little background on that. Um, now we're going to talk about the two types of trust uh, that I mentioned to you before. There's the inter vivos trust and there's a testamentary trust. Inter vivos is uh, what you would call your living trust and the testamentary trust is what happens after you're, you're passed on. So there's basically three parties to a trust. So this is where we'll start. There's three parties to a trust. Um, and when I say parties and trust, we're not talking about Saturday night and who do you trust and what party are we going to and who's who's going to be the driver and all that stuff. I know that's so much more fun, I'm sure. But we're going to do our best to take this very complicated topic and just break it down real simple. So there's three parties. We've got three parties to our trust. So and each of them is going to have all three of them. So when we have, when I invite you to this party, these are the three people that are coming. The settler, the settler. So this is the person that defines the terms of the trust. And they supply the initial property that is subject to the trust, of the trust. So this is the where the stuff all comes from. This is the person who provides the stuff. The settler uh, may also be referred to as the donor. So in the context of the trust set up in the will, it's sometimes the testator or the testatrix, which is male or female. Remember when we talked about executors, executrice, same idea. So the settler can also be called a donor or a testator, but they're the person that supplies the stuff, so supplies the property for the, the or the subject of the trust, which would be the money, the property, the bonds, the stocks, whatever's going in there. Now, the second per person that we're inviting to the party is the trustee. That person becomes the legal owner of the property, but she's not allowed to use the property for her own benefit, not right now. So her actions are bound by the terms of the trust deed, and this is all by legislation, So, which means it's all legal. So an inter vivos trust, remember we talked about the living trust, 
It's usually documented in a trust deed or a trust agreement. And the terms of the testamentary trust are usually embedded in a will. So a living trust, the inter vivos trust, it's in a deed or an agreement. And the testamentary trust, that's part of your will. The trustee, they have a, that person has a fiduciary duty. Fiduciary is that legal word for you have a legal responsibility to the trust beneficiaries. And she has to act in their best interest all the time. So it's not, this is the person at the party who is saying, it's not about me, it's all about you. That's who the trustee is. Now the beneficiary, that's the third person that we invite to the party. And it, this is the person that has the beneficial or equitable owner of the trust property. So while he does not hold the legal title to the property, this is not the legal person, remember that's the trustee, he is entitled to the benefit of the property. So, and all that is based on the terms outlined in the trust, in the trust agreement or the trust deed. So, for example, um, he might have a right to receive the income earned by the trust, and he, or he might have the right to occupy the property held in the trust, or he might have the right to receive title to a trust asset at a specific time. So, this is why we need all three of these people, the settler, the trustee and the beneficiary to all come to the party together because the settler supplies the the party, let's call it the party property and provides all the snacks and the trustee is the person who legally has control over it but actually doesn't benefit of it. So they might have control over all the snacks and the party and the, and the house but they, they don't actually participate. And the beneficiary is the one that comes and they're like, right on, I benefit from all of this so I can eat the snacks and live in the house, but I don't legally own it or have a right to it yet. If we think of it like a party that way, that's that's the three people that we invited. And that's who we need in a trust. So if you think, of, it's kind of a cool, or maybe it's just me, I'm not sure, but it's kind of a cool concept when you think of it like this. The parties to a trust, in order to trust each other, we have to have these three people that work together. One person supplying something, another person who's legally responsible but doesn't benefit, and the third person who benefits but doesn't have the legal responsibility yet. And that's kind of where the trust comes in, right? We have to trust each other. Now, in this particular case, there's a lot of heavy legal documents and a lot of uh, legal requirements, and they're spelled out in acts, and um, there's a fiduciary that word gets thrown around all the time in here because they all have a legal responsibility as well. So it's not like you're trusting people blindly, but a trust is, is set up for that purpose of everyone doing their job. And at the end of the day, the person like me, for example, if it was my trust, all my wishes and all my, my, my plans are, are in place for my estate and for my, for my um, trust to mitigate my probate. So those are the three people in the party to a trust. So if we talk talk about just the living trust for right now, how does it work? So the living trust or the inter vivos trust, it's an estate planning vehicle. It can hold assets during the trustor's lifetime. The primary purpose is the reason we do it is to establish a living trust or the reason we establish a living trust, I mean, is we want to make assets more easily transferable to the trustor's beneficiaries without all the encumbrances and all the expenses of the probate proceedings. Remember we talked about just a minute ago about probate and how everything goes through there. Well, it can get very expensive. So your probate, if you have 
And people don't realize, I don't think, all the time that everybody has an estate. Everybody. Even if you are renting a house or renting an apartment, if you own your car, if you have furniture in your apartment, if you have a, a dog or a cat or a hamster or uh, any kind of pet, a horse, whatever, if you have anything, you have your grandma's favorite pendant that you inherited, you have a diamond earrings, you have stuff. That's your estate. Now, not everybody has to have, you know, a seven, eight, nine figure estate, but everybody has something. And this is why I I know if anyone heard me on the estate show, I talk about it, or if anyone's talked to me in person, or anyone's ever um, talked to me as a client, or when you read my book, you're going to see this. It's so important to have a will, because the will is your last official um, comment or conversation with the with your loved ones. So everybody needs to know what you want to see happen with your stuff. And and that also includes what people, what you want to have happen to you personally when you pass on. So that's what your will does. It tells everybody, hey, listen, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to have to try and read my mind. Um, just this is what I want. This is how I want it to happen. And this is who I want to have my grandma's brooch or my favorite pair of uh, you know, dishes or my china or my diamond earrings or whatever the case may be. Or this is who I want to look after my kids if you have kids. This is who I want to look after my pet if I have pets. So that's why a will is really important because it's your last chance to tell people this is what you want and you get what you want in the last, very last act of your life. So the trust, the idea of the trust is we're going to we're going to cut down on some of that probate fees because let's be honest if you work really hard your whole life and we all do and we accumulate anything in our lives which kind of is the plan not that I'm saying it's got to be material but um you know you you built you got your house and you've got your car and and maybe you've got a little bit of money saved away um you don't want that to again be taxed which it's going to be but you want to have that tax as low as you can because you're leaving your your money to your family or you're leaving your stuff to your family then you want them to get most of it if you if you want to leave it to charity you can do that too but you want to leave most of it to charity you don't want to be taxed and taxed and taxed and just dwindle the estate away so that there isn't much left you don't work that hard for it so if i haven't beaten the topic enough you have to have a will get a will everybody needs a will doesn't matter what country you're in it doesn't matter you need a will and then once you have that, we're going to take care of getting the financial plan and minimize the amount of tax that you're going to pay. Okay, now I'm going to assume everybody's going out to get a will. So when we talk about trust, um, we were talking about how an inter vivos trust works. So in addition to eliminating some of these expenses or some of these delays that we go through with probate, a trust also works to ensure that the estate is settled without the publicity of probate. So... You've, I don't know if you've, I'm just trying to think if you've ever seen any or, or heard of any people who have passed away and there's all this arguing or all this confusion or it not even have to be arguing confusion. It's just maybe it's so big that it's taking a long time to settle and to go through it. This is going to help lessen that. So in addition to help saving money, it's also going to help save on time to get through the probate <clears throat> and the publicity of it. So the ultimate benefit for the surviving family is the transfer of assets. And this is conducted in a smooth and efficient manner 
and we want to prevent all the disruption of the youth. So that's what our goal is, and that's what we're going to do with our trust. Sorry, I got all choked up talking about trust. <coughs> and that takes us to our second break. So we will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network, and today we are talking about trust. Who do you trust? What do you trust? How do you trust? And before we went to break, I got all choked up talking about these because it's so important that we um, have a will and we get our account, our estates in line and we have things nice and neat and smooth for the people we're leaving behind. And, and really, this is the whole the whole gist of it. And you want to have everything organized because... The people that you leave behind, they have enough mourning that they're going to be dealing with and sadness that they have to deal with. Don't make them have to go through in the heightened emotional state that they're going to be in and figure out your stuff. Don't 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 make them figure out your state. Don't make them try and read your mind on, on how you want things to be. Don't let the government step in and try and read your mind because really you don't. You probably don't know the person from the government that's going to do it for you, and they're just going to follow a bunch of rules. So the importance of doing all of this, your financial plan, your estate planning, setting up trust. It's to make things easy for the people you leave behind. And it's to make sure that everything that you've worked so hard for and your legacy is honored and done the way that you want it to be done. So we were talking about the two different types of trust, which there's no quiz on it later, but I just wonder, 
How many of you remember? There's the living trust, which is your inter vivos trust, and there's your testamentary trust, which is your trust on death. So <clears throat> when someone is living, they have the inter vivos trust, and the trustor is the person, and it could be trustors in the case if you're married, <clears throat> then they're the trustees of it. So they're managing the assets until they're no longer able to. And at that time, you'd have a backup trustee assign the duties. So for as long as I'm able to, I'm going to be managing it myself, right? Because it's my trust. So a living trust, and this is important, a living trust is revocable, which means any of the provisions or designations can be changed while the trustor is alive. So while I'm alive as the trustor of my own trust, I can make changes to it. I can change who I want to receive anything. I can change how much. I can change when. It becomes irrevocable when I die. So on the death of the trustor, you cannot change anything after that. So however I have it set up, that's it. That's the deal. And you have to make sure it gets administered the way I have it set up. When you set up a trust, in order to establish a trust, the grantor names the trust parties. Remember, we have our three people we're inviting to the party. We've got the settler, the trustee, and the beneficiary. And <clears throat> we set that up. And usually that includes the grantors, which is typically a husband and wife combination or a uh, married couple combination, the beneficiaries and the trustee. And in most arrangements, the spouses are named as trustees. Um, however, there is a contingent trustee that's usually named in the event that both spouses die. So if something were to happen to both of us at the same time, then there's a contingent trustee, which means it carries on and that becomes the trustee. So Again, that's just protecting your family, your estate, your your loved ones from having to figure stuff out. It just happens for you. So you're saying, hey, if something happens to both of us, then this is the contingent trustee who's going to step in as the trustee, and boom, it becomes um, the person that takes it over. So in addition to assigning some assets to specific beneficiaries, a trust can hold instructions for the trustee to guide the timing and distribution of uh, and management of the assets well, they're still held in the trust. So you've probably heard different celebrities where um, when they've when celebrities have, have passed away and they've had really young children, their, <clears throat> their um, funds or, or stuff might be held in trust for their kids. And, and at certain ages, they become eligible to receive. So say, for example, um, I think Elvis was one that, his, I mean, probably everybody knows who Elvis is, so I might, I'll use him as an example. And I might not have the numbers right because I wasn't privy to seeing his trust, but the, the the idea was that he had one daughter, Lisa Marie, and at different stages, at different ages in her life, like at 21, at 25, at 30, 35, she received a portion of her trust. And then at, at a certain age, I think it was, say, 35, she received the balance of whatever was left in the trust. So you don't have to give it all out today if something happens, and especially if you have young children. You don't want that to happen anyway. You want it held in trust for them. So it gets distributed on different at different aspects of time to trigger it. So it might be their 21st birthday, their 25th birthday, whatever the case may be. So in a will, of course, I've talked about that, right? We all know that you need a will, and that's needed to execute the trust. So uh, essentially what happens is the trust becomes the primary beneficiary of the will, and the will acts as the catch-all mechanism, and that determines the disposition of the assets that might have been included from the trust. It's also the will that establishes guardianship for minor children. So, again, I mentioned this before, 
I can't tell you enough. You have to have a will and you have to have your wishes outlined in the will. So if you have minor children, which, you know, is under 18, then those children need to say, hey, if something happens to me, they're going to go live with my sister. And and by the way, make sure your sister knows. It's not a surprise. It's not a secret. This is not one of those movies that you see where it's surprise, where my, you know, I died and my sister gets a knock on the door and says, hey, you're looking after her six little kids. How do you feel about that? It's not like that. It shouldn't be like that is what I should say. Because, I mean, sometimes it is like that. But it's not meant to be a surprise. Reading of the will should not be a surprise. People should know who your executor is. They should know who your kids are going to. Um, you want to make sure, be, and, and I know this is probably obvious, but you want to make sure because what happens if my sister says, uh, no, I'm not taking her kids, then what? Then where do they go? You don't have a contingency in your will. So you have to make sure that um, these people that you're going to include know what you're doing because they might not want to be the executor of your will. They might not want to be in that position where they have to, there's a legal responsibility, and we talked about that before um, a few weeks back, but you, there's no surprise. They might not want to enforce your trust. They might not want to be the trustee to look after the money for your kids. So make sure that you don't keep it a surprise. Talk to your talk to whoever it is you want to look after your will and your trust and um, all your stuff. So we talked a little bit about the living trust, um, we're gonna, who we're going to invite and how we're going to place that stuff in. We're going to put a little tax efficiency on that. I want to give you a, a, just an example of it and I guess an example in action, if you will, of the living trust. So it's a, a tax efficiency can be done from estate freezing income splitting, minimizing the executor's fees, probate fees. Uh, uh, it also might be the driving factor when you're considering your inter vivos trust. And the two types of trusts that are commonly used in these circumstances, so number one is usually placing assets and trust for yourself, or number two, placing assets and trust for your children or your grandchildren. So if you place assets and trust for yourself, then as an example, I'll give you, if you have, so if this person, we'll call him, you know, Mr. Smith, is nearing his 75th birthday and his main asset is a non-registered investment portfolio, which he is finding more and more difficult to manage. He has several objectives in mind when he visits his advisor, ranging from investment management of his portfolio to the executor services that are offered by the advisor. After you look after you look at his tax consequences, Mr. Jones decides to transfer his portfolio Oh, this is kind of my favorite one. The Alter Ego Trust. We haven't talked about that, but that's just the name of a trust, a type of trust, an alter ego, which I always think is really cool because that's when you feel like you could be Batman and your alter ego is in your trust. But Mr. Jo Mr. Jones and his advisor serve as trustees, which means they're the ones who are responsible for holding and managing the trust assets. And the advisor also works with Mr. Jones and he arranges for the management of the investments and administers the trust assets and continues to execute these responsibilities if Mr. Jones becomes no longer able to do it. Remember, he's 75 years old. The trust arrangement provides that during the remainder of his life, the income will be paid to him and no one else, just Mr. Jones. He's the only one that can access the capital. And then upon his death, the remaining assets are to be divided amongst his children. So when we talk about tax efficiency, by creating this trust, Mr. Smith, or sorry, Mr. Jones, has met his investment management concerns. 
He's created a vehicle that protects his assets should he suffer incapacity. And he has succeeded in reducing his executor's fees and probate fees since the value of the trust will not be included in his estate and subject to probate. The estate administration should also be quicker and easier because everything is already lined up. It goes to the the recipients quicker and faster and uh, easier because it's already laid out. You're placing assets in trust. If you're going to place them in trust for children or grandchildren, then that was what Mr. Jones did. Mr. Smith has non-registered investments, and that's going to exceed his needs. And he, he wants to use the surplus funds to benefit the grandchildren. And <clears throat> what he does is his daughter is commencing a long-term course of study, and the son is just starting business that will likely take a long time to build. So you want to put this stuff in trust for the grandchildren. So what Mr. Smith does is he has always supported the children and the grandchildren, and he's always done that after-tax earnings. Now what he's doing is that he's financially comfortable. He's willing to earmark a certain amount of the investment assets for the benefit of the grandchildren and the children. So given the current circumstances that the children are in, he doesn't want to just pass ownership of the assets directly to them. His ultimate strategy will depend on the composition of the assets, the investment, um, tax consequences, and it might involve gifting some of the assets, uh, some of the investments to the trust. So Mr. Smith would report a disposition. It's called a disposition of the assets, gifted on her personal tax return and would be liable to pay income tax on any capital gains. The trust will then allow the trustees discretionary payments of income and capital to the children and the grandchildren as Mr. Smith sees fit. And don't forget, Mr. Smith's still in charge of this trust. When they've realized the tax liability um, with respect to the assets that we're transferring to the trust, well, there's future growth in the investment assets and subsequent tax liability will fall into the children's hands through the trust. So this is where the tax um, efficiency comes in. <clears throat> because now it's going to be taxed in the lower income tax bracket of the children and providing them the same level of support. And then the executor's fees and to- probate taxes are an, an added benefit of savings. And the poten- we, of course, I have to tell you, there's always drawbacks. And a potential one is that she's giving away these assets, even though she still controls them as, or he controls them as the trustee. So technically, when you give these away to the trust, you still control them, you still own them, but you have given away the assets to the trust. Now, that way you're getting the tax efficiency and you're paying the liability and you're paying the taxes on it, but then the future taxes are paid in the lower tax bracket. So there's always, um, like anything in life, right? There's always pros and there's always cons. So we always have to look at each individual situation. And that's why I said everybody's situation is different. You might have one kid, you might have two, you might have three, you might have eight, you might have, you know, they're all under the age of 18, some of them are older than the age of 18. Everybody's different. So you always have to be really, really mindful of each individual situation. So we're coming up to our last break of the night. And when we come back, I want to that's about our living wills. We've talked about there's some tax efficiencies. You still have controls. It's a nice way to do some stuff with your probate and save on taxes, which, of course, is I think nobody's ever afraid to save on taxes. Um, it may not be your goal at top of mind, but for sure you're always thinking about how to save on taxes, especially when it comes to filing your taxes in April. You're always thinking, how do I reduce my taxes? So this is one of those ways of saying not waiting until the last minute or that one time in the year, we're we're doing it now. We're starting to talk about 
how we're going to reduce taxes overall. We're being extremely efficient and extremely thoughtful of the future of all of our stuff rather than just every April. So we're going to take our last break of the night, and then when we come back, I will talk to you about the second kind of trust. You are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. When we return, we will continue to talk about trust. Who do you trust? How do you trust? What they are? We will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network, and today we're talking about trusts, what they are and what they do, and how, so far, what we've learned is that um, there's some tax efficiencies to them, but it's also a really great way to organize your estate and save on probate and um, be very clear about how your stuff is going to be set up. And the trusts are... One while you're alive, which is the intervivos trust, and the one when you're when you're not alive, and that is your testamentary trust. Now, within that, there's lots of different types of trust too. And I mentioned before, <clears throat> there's 38 different types of trust on the Government of Canada website. And one of the my favorite one is the Alter Ego Trust, just because of the name. <laughs> it's not my favorite trust. It's just I think the name's really cool to have an alter ego. But um, all right, so. We've talked about the inter vivos trust when you're alive. What about a testamentary trust when you're when you pass on? So this is the trust. It's or an estate. It's generally created on um, as a result of the death of a person. So a testamentary trust. When I die, that's what it becomes. And the terms of the trust are established by the will or by a court order in relation to the deceased individual estate. If uh, that's you know, depending on how things are. But you're going to have a will because I told everybody they should have a will. So everybody go get a will. Um, generally, this type of trust does not include a trust created by a person other than the deceased individual. And um, also in Canada, I will say that if a trust was created after November 12, 1981, then it's also a testamentary. If any property was contributed to it other than by the deceased individual, as a consequence of the individual's death, then um, that's how the tr trust gets formed. 
If the assets are not distributed to the beneficiaries, according to the terms of the will, the testamentary trust may become an inter vivos trust. So we want to be very clear on how our stuff is going to be happening and where we want to go and who we want to have it. So for the tax years ending in December 20, 2002, I'll tell you that a, te- <clears throat> a testamentary trust may become an inter vivos trust if the trust incurs a debt or other obligation to pay an amount to or guaranteed by a beneficiary or any person or partnership, any or all the referred to as a specified party with whom any beneficiary of the trust does not deal at arm's length. So it can go from testamentary. So it's kind of like you're bringing it back to life, if you think of it like that. So it's going from it can go from testamentary to inter vivos. Now, it does not apply for certain debts or obligations, and these are if it's incurred by the trust in satisfaction of a beneficiary's right to enforce payment of an amount payable by the trust to the beneficiary or to receive any part of the trust capital. Another exclusion would be if it's owed to the beneficiary as a result of services provided by the the beneficiary for the trust. So if I do something and I'm owed the money, then it doesn't make it become inter vivos. Um, the other third one would be if it's owed to the beneficiary as a result of a payment on behalf of the trust for which property was transferred to the specified party within 12 months of the payment and the beneficiary would have made the payment had they been dealing with the trust at arm's length. So, <clears throat> again, everything is case specific. So we we'll always have to be looking at stuff like that um, when you're looking at different trusts and different kinds of trusts. Now, the role of the trustee of th- in your trust that legal obligation we talked about is to manage and hold the property of the benefit for the benefit of the beneficiary. Now, in this case, if it's a testamentary trust, I've died and it now goes to my beneficiaries and it's set out to say you can have this property or you can have this money at this time or you can have it now, depending on how I have it set up. Um, this includes the, the role of the trustee is going to include managing any financial assets, as well as overseeing the care and maintenance of any physical property. So if I have a house, a cottage, antique, cars, whatever, then they're going to make sure that that's taken care of and maintained. If the trust holds investment assets and the trustee is not a financial advisor, then you should get investment advice from a professional because that's when you really want to make sure that things get distributed efficiently. And by efficiently, we're usually talking about tax savings, right? Um, the trustee always has to act in the best interest of the beneficiary, no matter what. So <laughs> if you have a sibling that you don't like and don't get along with, and they are the trustee, and I'm not sure why you would make them this, but let's say they're the trustee, and they're going to have to act in the best interest of the beneficiary, which would be your kids. So if they don't get along, there's still a legal obligation for them to act in the best interest. Now, we all know everybody's human, so we have to be a little bit mindful of that and and be reasonable and uh, make sure that we people in charge that aren't going to do, are, that are going to do the right thing for you. So you don't do that to the beneficiary. It makes it so uncomfortable and unnecessary. Like, put a trustee in place that's going to, that you like, that likes the beneficiary. Because remember, it's not just about you. They're going to do what you want. You're gone. It's about the beneficiary that's there. That's who they have to look after. So make sure you put somebody in there that you you trust and that the beneficiary can get along with. Um, A trustee is not allowed to buy assets from the trust without court approval. 
So if I die and my trustee says, hey, I'd really like to buy that cottage, well, they can't. They have to apply to the court. Um, and, and if there's specific clauses of the will or the trust deed that allows that to happen, that's the uh, special circumstance. But um, even then, the trustee, it's still be in your best interest to get an uh, independent appraisal and consent of the beneficiaries because you don't want to muddy any waters with that. So there's a lot of rules that go with trust. I know there's a ton of them. Like I mentioned, there's those 33 on the government website. Some of them, like the alter ego, there's a communal organization, deemed resident trust, employee benefit trust. Um, there's a master trust. There's lifetime benefit trust. There's insurance segregated fund trust. There's all kinds of trusts that you can do um, within these different kinds within your estate planning. So it's worth it to talk to your uh, professional advisor and say, hey, this is something I need. This is something this is something I want. Because remember, uh, nothing's for free. And trust you have to file uh, just like you would a tax turn. So you want to make sure that things are set up done and done right. So that is it. We've got, that's all I'm going to talk to about with trust. There's the two types we've talked about. Um, or the two categories, I should say, they're inter vivos, which is living and the testamentary. And hopefully you'll take a little nugget away. And if nothing else, you'll go out and get a will and make sure that you have that stuff in place so that your estate will be nice and tidy and neat. So um, remember, it's all about making your stuff all controllable by you. It's all about making your stuff most efficient in taxes. And in addition to making your taxes minimize, you want to maximize the most amount of return and the growth that you're going to get on your stuff. So that's really what we're talking about here is make sure you get the most out of your stuff and you keep the most of it. So when you pass on, because you worked really hard for it and, and that's your, I know your, your children are your legacy and your grandchildren. And I get that, but there's also a lot of um, physical stuff that you've got as the legacy. So Please look after your stuff. Please get a will. Um, talk to your financial advisor. Get advice. Get a second opinion if you need one. And we will be back here talking more about financial concepts. And you're always welcome to call or dial in and join us in the chat room. We love having you there. Enjoy your week. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making the choices that bring you all that you desire.